As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge, and let's talk about some true crime. Well, hey there. Hi. Hey there, ho there. I was going to say that, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. I was waiting for you to do it, and you didn't do it, so I had to do it. I mean, (laughs) now I look like a Q-hole. I know. You do look like a massive Q-hole, but we need to get on the same page, don't we? A little bit, yeah. 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 Um, it's after lunch. Pray for us. Yeah. You know what? We'll pray for you too, because you're the one what? who has to deal with this. That's very true. Very true. All right. Well, should we should we prep them for today's case? I think we should. Yes. Um, this is Mary Vincent's tale of survival. It's incredible. It is incredible. It is Beyond words. And I do think if we're doing a window open scale, throw your window out of your own window. Yep. Window's gone. You might have to Miley Cyrus this bitch. Yeah. I mean, we do want to thank Brandy Mallet. Oh, man. Parallel? Okay. Um, Laura Gonzalez. Lauren. Really? Oh, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Did I say? What did I say? You said Laura. Okay, that's different. Uh, Lauren Gonzalez and Beth Sellers Gilliland. Gilliland? Yeah. <laughs> Gullah, did Gullah did I get it? <laughs> did I? Am I doing it? <laughs> well, that was horrible, guys. So sorry. But thanks to all of you, whatever your names are. Yes. Yes. We love you and we thank you. Mm-hmm. And we have one other person course. to thank. Yep. Hey, girl, thanks to Mark for writing this one up. Yes. We do have some trigger warnings, though. Mm -hmm. We need to get right into that. Mm -hmm. We have rape, dismemberment, suicide, assault with a weapon, and murder. Mm -hmm. Yep. Before we get into today's case, we want to let you know that we've got even more content on our Patreon. 
And what is a Patreon, you ask? Well, it's a service that allows you to provide monthly financial support to your favorite content creators like maybe us. So it's win-win. You get lots of bonus episodes and you help us keep producing content um, and maybe get a little Starbucks here and there. I don't know. Yeah, we can't know. Yeah. So tomorrow on our Patreon, our murder mixtape drops, and it's the story of Carla Walker, who was brutally murdered. Her case went cold and unsolved for years until it was featured on a podcast, and the details worked their way into the hands of a retired detective who had the means to get DNA testing, which brought authorities right to their suspect. And on Friday, we start the first episode of a new Doc Jam series, Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. It is on Netflix, and it examines the rise of Warren Jeffs in the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, FLDS, so long, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his shocking criminal case. You do not want to miss this. That's a that's a window right off the hinges kind of thing. Right, except windows usually aren't on hinges, but you know what I that's mean. That's fine. <laughs> windows on the windows on the window things. Yes. And of course, Sunday we drop our weekly catch-up episode. We lovingly call it the T to the fourth power Y. If you spell it out, it looks like titty. Um, it's some time to talk to you. We just gab about life. We talk about what's going on. It's a little personal episode where we just we just chit-chat. Yep. And everything on the Patreon is ad-free always. So make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash killer queens pod. Yay! All right, now so, let's uh, get into the case. Let's do a little overview, shall we? Okay. 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 In September of 1978, 15-year-old Mary Vincent was hitchhiking the California roads to return home to Las Vegas. Mary had run away from her mother and father and lived on the streets for a period of time, often sleeping in unlocked cars. And eventually, she went to her grandfather's house, but she got homesick and decided to go back to Las Vegas. While hitchhiking back home, though, she was picked up by a man who attacked and left her for dead. Miraculously, and I'm talking miraculously, Mary survived the brutal attack and would go on to become an artist and an advocate for victims' rights. All right. So Mary Vincent was born in 1963 to Lucy and Herb in Las Vegas, Nevada. Like many locals in Sin City, Lucy and Herb worked in the gambling industry. Lucy was a dealer in one of the casinos, and Herb was a repairman who fixed the gambling machines. Oh my gosh, you know what I think of when I hear repairman? Repairman, man, man, man. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm repairman, man, man, man. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little all that reference for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Growing up, her life was fairly typical or as typical as it could be with a household of seven children. Mary was an avid dancer and wanted to be a professional dancer with dreams of touring the world with a dance company. She's been described as a fresh-faced, dark-haired girl who had to grow up too quickly. When she was entering her early teens, she started to rebel against her parents and their strict rules for her upbringing. She would do the typical childhood rebellious things like skip school from time to time or she'd wear makeup when they forbade it. She escalated from that to running away, though. When she was 15, she left the family home. Lucy and Herb had begun to fight and eventually decided to divorce, and the divorce was not pretty and had been described as contentious and vicious, and it was messy to say the least. So that's what sparked Mary to flee from her family. She left Las Vegas with her boyfriend at the time, and they made their way to Sausalito, California, where they lived out of his car until he was arrested and charged with raping a high school girl. I don't know exactly how old he was, but obviously way the fuck too old to be dating her. Right. 
And also, I think that's a pretty good time to, if you find that out about your significant other, you say, you know what? Uh, we're done here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, but we're done here. Yeah. After his arrest, though, Mary was alone and had to look out for herself. She would sleep wherever she found a spot, sometimes just finding an unlocked car and sleeping for the night until morning when she would try to get away before she was found. That is so stressful. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? At one point, she went to visit an uncle in Soquel, California. Not sure. But only stayed briefly before heading to Corona, California to visit her grandfather just outside of L.A., after staying with her grandfather for a little bit, she started to get homesick, so she decided to go back to Las Vegas. And she did what many other people did at the time, and she decided she would hitchhike. In today's day and age, hitchhiking would probably be the furthest thing from people's minds, with other options being out there like Uber or Lyft, and just like knowing the inherent dangers of it. But in the 70s, it was almost like a lifestyle. Like, there are definitely cases and things that we've covered where people are like, like, I'm thinking about the, uh, when we did that doc jam on, oh, Edmund, Ed Kemper. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of the women that they talked to were like, you know, this, I was in college. I could do whatever I wanted. I actually got to go to school. I could get a job instead of just, in their words, instead of just becoming a wife and mother. Those things are very much hard work. But this was a unique opportunity because they didn't really have the option to do that before. And so hitchhiking was the thing that they did to express their freedom. Like she was just like, I could go anywhere I wanted to. And that was so liberating. And it was like a group of people that, you know, like in certain places it was like, I mean, they made in that specific doc jam or in the docuseries, this group of people had t-shirts made that were like hitchhiker club. Like they were. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely like, it's just, I feel like it's, it's foreign to us, the act of it, but we're in the generation right after the generation that did all the hitchhiking. So it's not so far away, but I feel like, like my kids are going to be like, you got into somebody's car without an app. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like they would not, I don't know. And I don't know. We'll probably be flying in space by the time they're driving, but you know, we'll be <laughs> Judy Jetson over here. Sure. So she was going to just hitchhike. No big deal. And she actually met other people who were hitching at the same time and they were going in the same direction. So they hung out while they waited for a ride. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. 
Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. On September 29th, 1978, Mary was on the side of the road in Modesto, California, along with two other people who were hitchhiking that day. Those two people were headed in the same direction as Mary, so they figured they might get lucky and all get picked up by one person. And after waiting for a little bit, a man pulled up in a van, and they noticed it was empty with nothing in the back, but the man said that he only had room for one person. He also said that he would only give a ride to a female. And that's when the other two people were like, Mary, Red Flag Central, do not get into that. That is not safe. And Mary said, looking back at the time, she wasn't thinking about anything bad that could happen, and she was just so desperate to get home. She said that she just could not live another day out alone. So she gets in, and she said as they were driving, she didn't give any real thought to the situation, and she saw the man as like a grandfather type, especially since she had just recently visited her grandfather. And she was tired. I mean, from all of the traveling that she had been doing in the weeks and months before. So she pulls out a cigarette and she started smoking and the smoke made her sneeze. And the man reached over, put his hand on the back of her neck and said, quote, let's see if you're sick. And he tried to pull her towards him. That's so weird. It's so weird. Oh my let's gosh. Let's see like, if you're sick. Ugh. Gross. I know. Gross. Like, ugh. Okay. And of course, obviously, she she pulls away and she moved closer to the door so he couldn't reach her. And as they were driving, the exhaustion began to set in and she managed to fall asleep for a little while. When she woke up, she noticed that all of the signs were different and they were heading in the wrong direction, opposite of where they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she confronted the man and she told him that she knew he was going the wrong way and basically told him to cut the shit and start going back the right way. And he was like, oh, whoops, it was an honest mistake. I'm... (sighs) For sure, not going to hurt you. Yeah. Like, whoopsie daisy. I went east when I was supposed to go west or whatever. Like, those are two completely different fucking things. Even I know that. Yeah. Unless you are Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah. I don't think that that is such an easy mistake to make. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're not going to travel 300 miles in the wrong direction like they did. But anyway, and And the fact that he had to be like, but I'm not going to hurt you. Like if you have to say it. Yeah. My mind is recalling a time that I went, I went the wrong way on the internet (laughs) for for actually quite some time. Yeah. This was pre-app cell phone days. So, um, it was, and I got confused. I thought if I just keep on this interstate, eventually it'll run into the interstate I need. And then I started seeing signs for Knoxville and I was like, this is bad news. I'm getting too far. <laughs> you really took the all roads lead to home. Yeah, I did. Uh, saying <laughs> that, to heart there, didn't I thought, you? <laughs> I'll find my way. I'll find my way. Um, I didn't spoiler. Find yeah. She didn't find her way. No, no, but okay. So After this whole situation, he pulls the car over in the middle of absolutely nowhere, like Mm -hmm. nothing. And that's when it hit Mary that she was in trouble. So she looks down at her feet and she noticed that one of her shoes were untied. And she thought that, you know, she was like, okay, I'm young. I'm healthy. He's old. He's out of shape. If I'm going to outrun this guy, I better tie my shoe. The car stopped. She opens the door. She got out to tie her shoe. And at the same time the man had gotten out, 
walked around the car. And when Mary was leaning down to tie her shoe, she felt a crushing blow as the man hit her with a sledgehammer and she blacks out. Mm. Oh, God. When she regained consciousness, Mary was in the back of the man's van tied up. When he saw that she had become conscious again, he started to rape her. She tried to fight back. She was asking him why he was doing this, but he never gave her a response. And he repeatedly raped her in the van. She estimated that it was five or six times, and then he falls asleep. Well, sure, because raping somebody five or six times is very, very exhausting work. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I have a question, and I'm not trying to be weird or gross or whatever, but— How does one man rape someone five or six times? Sure. I would guess, if I may, um, because you brought this really weird and uncomfortable question up, I'm just going to go with it. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't... The volcano didn't erupt every time. That's what I'm wondering. Like, is it just... I don't know. Because it feels like you wouldn't be able to do that every time. I would think that many times. I mean, even in a like, even in a twenty-four hour period. But it kind of sounds like this is kind of back to back to back. That's what it sounds like, yeah. And the fact that he was so comfortable and didn't have a care in the world enough to be like, like, I'm I'm just just gonna gonna take take a a nap. nap. Yeah. Fuck off, asshole. Oh, I know. Yeah. (sighs) So Mary is struggling to free herself, but she wasn't able to, and she said that laying there. She was tied up. This man sleeping. She said she just wanted to die. It was all she could think about. The man woke up and continued raping Mary. She remembers being awake throughout the entire thing. She saw the sunrise slowly. She's still in the middle of nowhere. And the man pulls her out of the van and she's completely naked. The whole time she was begging him just to let her go. And she was saying, quote, set me free. Next, Mary said that the man said, quote, you want to be set free? I'll set you free. And he's got a hatchet that he pulls out. He had pulled out of a toolbox in the back of his van. He walked up to Mary with the hatchet, grabbed one of her arms, and swung. And he's digging the hatchet into her arm. She started to fall, and he swung again. And she grabbed tightly onto his arm. But she she said she was like, I cu- I couldn't understand. I'm holding him, but I'm still falling. Yeah, like why am I not steadying myself? Right. But after she hit the ground, she looked over and realized that her arm was missing. It's just blood squirting out. Mm. I felt all the pain, the sharpness, the burning. And when my blood was leaking out of my body, I felt the hot. It was just flowing out of me. I felt everything. I was aware of everything. And the pain was so excruciating. Mary's left arm had been severed below her elbow. And as she was lying there, the man grabbed her right arm and started to chop it with a hatchet. Mary was kicking and screaming the whole time, hoping that someone might hear her and come help. The man had to chop her arm several times because she was fighting back. And eventually he severed her right arm as well. Then he started to walk away. And Mary said that she could see him in the distance. And she described him flicking his arm, kind of like if you had a piece of paper or a piece of tape or a sticker or something stuck to your fingers and you're just whipping it, trying to, you know, get it off. And Mm -hmm. she was like, what the heck, you know, what what is he doing? And then she realized 
one of her hands was still grabbing his arm and he was swinging it wildly to get it to let go. That's something out of a horror movie. Absolutely. Can you imagine I, like, oh my God, my hand is still fucking grabbing onto him and I'm over I know. And my hand is, over, oh my God. I cannot imagine how surreal, like an out-of-body experience that would feel because she's already suffered mm-hmm. this terrible, I mean, everything that she went through is just mm-hmm. awful. The pain, I'm sure, or she might've been in shock. She's losing blood and she's mm-hmm. watching someone walk away with her arm, with her hand mm-hmm. stuck to his arm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God, this poor woman. Next, the man came back and Mary had stopped moving. He started dragging her body to the edge of a 30-foot cliff. The man then picked her up and threw her over the edge. Oh, my God. As if he couldn't get worse. Yeah. Good thing she, I mean, she she said, I'm pretty sure he thought I was dead because I wasn't moving anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that's what saved her life. Absolutely. Because if he'd known that she was still alive, he probably would have brought the hatchet back over or something. Oh, my God. Yes, I know. She sustained four broken ribs from the fall, and her body was in shock from all the blood loss. She didn't know if the man was still on the cliff or if he had left, but she just laid there. Then she said she got really tired and cold, and the only thing she wanted to do was go to sleep. But as she lay there, she heard a voice in her head telling her that she couldn't go to sleep, that he was going to do this to someone else, and she could not let that happen. Mary used what little energy she had to dig her arms into the dirt around her, and she's trying to pack her wounds with dirt to form mud to try to slow the bleeding. She's 15, y'all. 15. She's thinking about all of this, and she's, ugh. When I was 15, I couldn't even run for two minutes straight. Mm-mm. I tried. I, I don't think I could do it for one minute, honestly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think I made it like 30 seconds, and I was like, what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. And that's the strength, the courage. And the fact that like what is pushing her forward is to help other people. It's incredible. She's like, he's going to do this to somebody else. It's not, she's not. And and even if she was, even if the thought that came to her mind was like, I'm going to live that perfect. That's totally, I mean, that would be incredibly strong still. But just the thing that's coming to her mind is he's going to keep doing this. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I know. Bless her. So then she decides she's going to get back up this 30-foot cliff. She has no hands. And she no somehow hands. fought. hands! From the elbow, like what, right below the elbow, gone. Mm-hmm. But she somehow fought her way back up. My God. I couldn't climb a 30-foot cliff. No. With a harness, a ladder, um, mm-hmm. somebody pulling me up it. But she did right. all of this without arms. And she's bleeding profusely. Yes. And she's got four broken ribs. Like, oh, I can't. Yes. By the time she made it to the top, the sun had set and there was darkness and only the moon and stars dimly lit the area. As she lay there exhausted, Mary began to hear the faint sound of cars and traffic. She thought that she had to be close to a freeway or highway, so she started to follow the noise. She walked into the until the sun started to come up and daylight began to peek in. She made it to a road and remembered a red convertible pulled up and stopped short of her. There were two men in it and she yelled out for them to help. But after seeing the state she was in, the men left. (laughs) That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. Because there is an I Survived on this. And it is, if if anybody's ever heard of the show or watched I Survived, it's on, or used to be on A&E. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, I love that show. But 
it's all survival stories, which the name implies, but she's talking about this and she was like, look, I get it. Like I looked like something out of a, what did she call it? Out of a Fright Night film? A Fright or a Night, horror- yeah. Yeah. I, the amount of patience and understanding and I don't know. I don't think I could do it because as a viewer, I'm like, what? What could she do? She's missing her arms. Like, oh my God. Why can't you help somebody? Yeah, if you see somebody absolutely covered in blood and you're like, nope, not today. Like, yeah. How do you live with yourself? I don't know. Yes, how do you live with yourself? I hope that somebody that knew them like later was like, oh my God. Because surely they told somebody. Unless woman. the goal is to, I'm going to drive and go call 911, but communicate that if that's the, if that's the plan, I guess. But anyway, right? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> so they leave. And she said at that point, the only thing going through her mind was that she was about to die because people were too afraid to stop. And I mean, she survived being dismembered, being thrown off a cliff, climbing back up that cliff with no hands and then walking three miles to a road. Mm. And she was like, this is how I'm going to die. This is this I is it. I mean, all those th- and like the wherewithal to do all these things. And she's lost so much blood. Mm-hmm. You can't even believe her mind is still, you know, like she's having. I know. Cognitive thoughts. I know. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, you guys, we are bringing you a promo of a show that we know you are going to love. So if you like a little banter with your true crime, I mean, if you're listening to us, we just know you are going to love Housewives of True Crime. So check it out. Hey, Killer Queen fans. We know you like true crime with a little fun mixed in. So we think you'll love Housewives of True Crime, too. If you haven't listened yet, after this episode, head over to Housewives of True Crime for our latest episode on Randy Baker. It's called The Family Affair. See how this gentle giant was manipulated and murdered for a measly Harley Davidson. And who put this assassin up to it? You will never guess. But we'll tell you. Go to Housewives of True Crime wherever you listen to your podcasts. So Mary kept walking down the middle of the road and it didn't take long for a second car to drive up. This time it was a couple on their honeymoon who had gotten lost. They helped Mary get into their truck as best they could and they sped away and they told her to lay still and they would get her to help. She said it was an older truck, but she could hear the tires squealing as they sped down the road and around curves. They made it to a phone. They called 911 and paramedics and a medivac helicopter was brought in to get Mary to the hospital. 
at the hospital, they discovered that she had lost over half of her blood and the remaining blood that she had became so infected, it was toxic. Mm. Mary said that she felt like her body was able to withstand it because of her will to live. Within 10 days, the man was identified and arrested. Mary had given details to a sketch artist for the police to distribute. It was so detailed and clear that one of the man's neighbors recognized it immediately and turned his ass in. (sighs) All right. So Larry Singleton was born in July of 1927 in Tampa, Florida. He worked as a merchant seaman, which is essentially working on one of those like big ships that sail from one country to another with those giant containers of things for import-export kind of thing. I am an expert on boats now because I've oh, watched yes. quite a few seasons of Below Deck. So I know exactly what that job entails and I could do it basically in my sleep. It's like, it's not, it's a piece of cake for me right now. So. Oh, okay. All right. I'll just call you Seaman Tory. Yes. I prefer that title only. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We'll call you Seaman for short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like to go by Jizz too, if you ever, you know. You know, my husband thinks jizz is spelled with G. <laughs> G-I-Z-Z. So we played a game and he wrote jizz. And um, everybody was like, don't get giz on you. Because you can't spell worth a shit. Yeah, that's... He was like, well, some G's right. <laughs> are pronounced with the J sound. <laughs> sure. Yeah, like Geronimo. Yeah, or giraffe. Um, but not Yeah, jizz. that's a... Why did that, Geronimo? That, that was the first word. Yeah, that's absolutely jabroni. Giz. Isn't jabroni a J though? Oh, I thought it was a G. See, see. Well, now I'm just proving his point. And I don't like to do that. Yep. Anyway, well, he doesn't have to know. Well, I know jizz is not a G. Um, <laughs> in his younger years, Singleton had been convicted of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. He was a heavy drinker, what many would call an alcoholic. And when he was sober, people said he was like mild-tempered at best. But when he'd had a few drinks, it was like Jekyll and Hyde. He became mean, vengeful, violent. I mean, not good. Yeah. Much of his adult life was spent on the sea. His first marriage to a woman named Shirley ended in 1971. And he remarried a nurse named Mary Collins in 1976. They were only married for two years before their marriage (laughs) marriage fell apart. I thought you were going for like a princess bride, like marriage. (laughs) That would have been better. Nope. Uh, I combined marriage and fell and went with marriage. Marriage fell apart, but they remained close friends, which is interesting. He had a daughter, Deborah, whom he had been fighting with because she was starting to defy his strict rules. Their arguments and fragmented relationship weighed heavily on him in the summer of 1978. Mm. Can you get out your tiny violin and play a song for him? (laughs) I can, little lamb. Yeah. Fuck off. I know, exactly. Six months after his attack on Mary, Singleton's trial was taking place. And Mary was there to testify against him. Now, remember, she's, what, 16 at best at this point? Right. She's a child. Yes, and she talks about how terrified she was. And I'm watching this with Miss KB, right? Even though Miss KB does not like... he, I Survived is not his favorite because no. they jump from... They have three, typically three survival stories, and they jump. Mm-hmm. And then they recap every single time... Yes, and he and does he's not like, I enjoy already that. know. Yeah. I know. 
but I learned yesterday that the main thing that he just really grinds his gears and shrinks his hat is that it's the jumping. He wants them to go through the entire case and then move on to the next one. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It is a lot. But and it they, is. they recap so much in between because they're jumping around. They're like, okay, remember, this is where we were with this one. Right. Yeah. But when this part happened, he was like, that's not fair. They should not make anybody Mm-mm. Mm-mm. confront their abuser, attacker, attempted murderer, whatever. Can you imagine how terrified you would be? I mean, we have talked about this before, but like in domestic violence cases and things like that, if you're not there, or, or rape cases, or all kinds of things, if you're not there to testify, then it goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Why? It's we just, have evidence. We have all the evidence. Like, why does she have to sit there feet away from him? Mm -hmm. I just cannot imagine the fear that she had. I can't either. And it's, it doesn't get better. No, no. Okay. So this is where, yes, this is where we're going to break out your best Miley Cyrus. You can get in your undies if need be. Get on your, put on your, put on your Doc Martens. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, wrecking ball a hole in the side of your fucking house and throw all your shit out because here it comes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was charged with kidnapping, attempted murder, rape, and various other crimes. And Mary testified in court with her prosthetics, which she began wearing two weeks after her attack. And her testimony helped convict him. He was found guilty. So, I mean, he went to prison for the rest of his life. This episode is over. Bye. Oh my gosh. I wish. Yeah. It's like, clue. Here's what really happened. Yeah. At the time, laws in California were very lenient, and Singleton was given 14 years in prison, which was the max allowed for, like, at that time for what he had done. So, I mean, I guess good on the judge for giving him the max allowed, because the judge was like, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. But he couldn't do that. He could only send him to prison for 14 years. And again, if you, I don't under, okay. I don't understand why <laughs> attempted murder, mm-hmm. it, but they literally in the law, I'm quoting from a law book, but did they die though? Mm-hmm. Like, but she had to play dead so that he didn't kill her. She had to pretend like she was dead. He had to believe that she was dead to leave her body there. Well, and guess what? All of the actions that he took that day would have led to mm-hmm. a murder to her dying if she had not miraculously, miraculously survived. Miraculously survived. Yes. Like whatever it is that you believe that saved her life, like for me, it is God. God was not finished with her, but like whatever you believe it is, it was an absolute miracle that she is still on this earth. And but did she die though? That's how we're gonna write mm-hmm. this law. Yeah. Like it was not at all because he thought, you know what? I don't want to kill anybody. I'm not going to do this. Mm-mm. That was not his thought process. He didn't stop and call 911. He didn't. Yeah. No. And I mean, I don't know if it's still this way, but when we did Worst Roommate Ever, we found out that um, attempted murder in Brazil only gets two years. Mm-hmm. That's the max. Two years. And again, I, can't, I just can't stress it enough. The only reason why somebody didn't die, mm-hmm. attempted mm-hmm. murder is because the plan, the original plan, didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was not because somebody was like, hold the phone here. This what is not I what doing? I want to be doing. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, they were just like, oopsie kadoopsie, they survived. It is murder with a mistake being made. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's exactly. that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's just awful. Mary, of course, was terrified when she was in court because, you know, again, he's only feet from her when she's in court. And she said that when she was leaving the courthouse after he was found guilty, she had to pass directly by him, like very close to him, close enough that when she walked past him, he said to her, if it's the last thing I do, I will finish the job. Can you imagine? I would, I would, I don't think I would have been able to stand up straight after something like that happened. And Mary had to continue to walk right past him. I would have crapped my pants, mm-hmm. vomited in my own pass out and passed out on my own vomit. I don't know how she, I, I don't get it. Exactly. She's the strongest person in the entire, entire you world. See, it's situations like this that like, I understand that the Ellie Nessler case was not good. Sure. Yeah. You can't just walk in and kill somebody that attacked your child victimized your child, but especially after hearing something like that, and you know he just got 14 fucking years and he's going to walk out earlier than that, you know he will, Mm -hmm. I'd have a hard time not sending my own ass to jail over that. I I agree. You know, it's like, it's it's a tough spot to be in. Like, can, I just couldn't imagine because it, she has every reason to be terrified of him for the rest of her life. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, she already gets a life sentence. She's lost her limbs. She Mm -hmm. has to rebuild her life. You know, she has to live with the memory of this attack Mm -hmm. and the effects of it. And he gets uh, 14 years, 14 years. Mm -hmm. Mary tried to move on and live her life, but she had a daily constant reminder of her attack. She met a man. They married and had two children, but they eventually divorced. After uh, Singleton's conviction, Mary also won a civil judgment of $2.56 million. Um, She never got one even penny from it, though, because Singleton was unemployed at the time and in poor health, and he had only $200 in his savings account. I hope she got—I wish—I mean, why couldn't they give her the $200? Yeah. At least give her that. Mm -hmm. He served eight years of his 14-year sentence, and then he was paroled. He was able to cut time off his sentence by good behavior and working as a teaching assistant in the prison classroom. Oh, so he's a changed man. Exactly. He's a changed man. Now, are we for rehabilitation when possible? Absolutely, we are. This is not one of those situations. No. News of his parole spread like wildfire throughout California, and several towns refused to let the authorities bring him there. In town after town, there were protests when Singleton was brought in. The Tampa chapter of the Guardian Angels went to several towns and joined in on the protests. Several times, Singleton had to be moved by authorities with armed guards wearing a bulletproof vest. Eventually, the governor at the time ordered that a trailer be placed on the grounds of San Quentin Prison, and that's where Singleton could serve out his parole. So he lived there for a year until his parole ended. One year of parole! (laughs) I'm throwing my own ass out of my own window. You have to. There are no other options at this point. Ooh. Hey, you guys. Um, it's us again. Yay. It's us. We threw, we threw you for a loop on this one. <laughs> uh, so we know that a lot of you have been asking, like, WTF, where are episodes 1 through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember, though, we need you to take a little caution here. 
we didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our, what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. He had a curfew of 10 p.m. and he only left a few times a week to get groceries or to see a movie. Hmm. A lot of people were pretty shocked when he got released, and in 1988, the Singleton Bill was passed in California, which mandates that early release not be possible for any crime that involved torture and carry a minimum sentence of 25 to life. None of this up to 14 years bullshit. After his release, Mary lived in constant fear that he would return to make good on his promise in the court that day. She went into hiding and withdrew from the public spotlight as much as possible. She has said that at some points, she thought that suicide would be the only way to get away from him. That is so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, But she said she had to be around for her two sons and that she would never let anything happen to them. And Deborah, Singleton's own daughter, was fearful of his release as well since um, she said that he was violent when she was growing up as well. She went as far as to ask the California prison system that if they could, like, keep him in longer, and they were like, well— no, we can't keep him in longer. I don't understand why, though, because the— I could understand if he can't served— Can't you deny his parole? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he served yeah. the entire 14 years, and it right. was like— Now, don't get me wrong. I think that that is a bullshit sentence. Right. But if that was the sentence he got, and he served the entire 14 years, and she was like, can you keep him in longer? And they're like, no, because he's, you know, he served his time. Yeah, he served his time. They let him out early. Yeah, why can't we keep him in? They were like, well, because they let him out. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, no, 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 can't keep him in. And so they were like, but you, here's what you can do. We've got a perfect solution, actually. If you're that afraid of him, just get a fucking restraining order. That'll keep him away. Her response is so good. I love it. She said, sorry, but I mean this quite sarcastically. I tell you he's a danger. I said that before his first crime. I've changed my name multiple times and am moving across state lines. And you all suggest a piece of paper that will tell him exactly where I am, what my name is, and not to come within, say, 300 feet of me. Perfect. Yeah. I was hoping you would do all of that stupid shit. (laughs) Right. (sighs) Right. And Idiot. again, what is a piece of paper? What's it going to do? Nothing. It does absolutely nothing. It does not provide a shield like on Super Mario Brothers that exactly. protects you if yeah. they do come near you. It's just a piece of paper to say, hey, he didn't listen to the paper. Mm-hmm. Like literally law enforcement told me when I had the restraining order against my ex-boyfriend, they were like, well, this way though. If he does kill you or hurt you really bad, he'll get in even more trouble because he wasn't supposed to be near you. Oh, my God. That makes me feel so much better and safer. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Cool. Okay, great. Sweet. Oh, my God. The system. We need to make some changes. 
So Singleton, he had a warped view on the crime he perpetrated, and that's could be an understatement. Um, he never accepted responsibility. He felt like he did not warrant any type of punishment. Okay. Right before his parole ended, what do you, you got something to say? You took a hatchet to her arms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that illegal? I didn't know that. That there, there wasn't a sign anywhere that said no taking people's limbs off with hatchets here. So I, how was I to know? Right. Right. I don't. The police, when transporting him from city to city, gave him more care and more attention, more uh, safety. (laughs) Yes. Then he gave her. They put a bulletproof vest on him and made sure that he was safe. Mm -hmm. I just, okay, man. All right. Right before his parole ended, the prosecutor who convicted him said that, quote, I think, if anything, he's worse now. He has not taken responsibility. He lives in a bizarre fantasy land and acquits himself each day. He does not accept his guilt and won't resolve never to do it again. Remember when you put on your Doc Martens and you put on your little undies? Sure. And you swung around on that wrecking ball and you knocked at least a quarter of your house clean out? Mm Mm-hmm. Now it's time to take the whole thing down. You have no more house. It's gone. Nope. Yep. If you need to, I don't know what kind of house you have. If you have a straw house, if you have a a house made of sticks, um, get that big bad wolf to come blow that shit down because you're not going to have a house anymore. Nope. You're done with that. So here we go. That part of your life is over. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So Singleton attempted to clear his name by trying to file a complaint against Mary. In the complaint, he stated she forcibly kidnapped him to rob him. (sighs) He claimed that she kidnapped him to steal his non-existent money. Mm -hmm. He said that after he picked her up, she was told that she told him that she was going to tell police that he raped her if he if he gave her a ride wherever she wanted to go. And everyone was like, okay. No, it didn't, you dumb bitch. No, that did not happen. So he says he picks her up right, in his rolling rapist van. I mean, like... It's literally it's a torture chamber on up, wheels. Yes, for exactly what he did to her, yes. With a hatchet inside of it, with a sledgehammer inside of it, with uh, things to tie her up inside of it. He brought all those things to the table, but, it, but she kidnapped him. <laughs> So he brings all those things to the table. He um, knowingly goes the wrong way, although he does say it was a mistake and some people are stupid like me. So maybe he did go the wrong way for a little bit. I don't know. Well, but okay. I hear where you're, what you're saying and where you're going with this, but did you, after going the wrong way, did you pull over um, in the middle of nowhere and then attack someone? attack somebody? Right. Yes. Oh. Because well, we got we a do. new case, guys. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. So, right. When you realize you're going the wrong way, you fucking change directions. So he didn't do that. Throws her off a 30-foot cliff after he uses Mm -hmm. a hatchet to remove two of her limbs. Rapes her repeatedly. Hits her with a sledgehammer Mm. over the head. Yeah. I think that... uh, He has no injuries. He has no no injuries. No. Nothing wrong with him. His peen might be a little sore. Right. That would be the extent. 
because of all the raping. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, literally, this man lives, lived in a fantasy land. I Mm -hmm. cannot believe that a parole board let him out. Mm Mm-hmm. I just cannot believe it. And I thought we've we've seen innocent people plead guilty and quote show remorse so that they can just get out of prison. But this man never accepts responsibility and they're like he's probably fine, just let him out. Yeah. Let him be somebody else. He doesn't else's even problem. try to pretend like he's sorry. And I I still cannot believe that he served 8 years of his sentence and then he was paroled for 1 year. 1 year. People get a stronger parole violation or parole for not violation um, for getting busted with weed. Or, Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand the implications of public intoxication or DUIs and stuff like that. But for that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. he attempted to murder somebody. And again, but for the grace of God, did he not succeed? Exactly. I just cannot. So we gotta, we gotta keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody obviously knew that, that was bullshit. So his complaint didn't get any traction. Thank God. Yeah. The fact that he even did it in the first place is just enough. But Singleton left California because nobody wanted his ass there. So he goes back to Tampa, which is where he was from. Once he was back in Florida, guess what he did? <laughs> Changed his life. So he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you would think, or you would hope. Started One would doing hope. volunteer work. Right. Yeah. Saved kittens from trees. No, he did not do this. Um, He was arrested a couple times for petty theft in 1990, once for stealing a $10 disposable camera, for which he served 60 days. And later that year, he was arrested for stealing a $3 hat and was given two years. For that. At, for that. Mm-hmm. After he served his time, he tried to live a quiet life, but mentally he had convinced himself that he never attacked Mary. He barely accepted that he cut her arms off in a blind rage over the rape threat. In February of 1997, Singleton paid a sex worker named Roxanne Hayes $20 to meet him at his house. And she showed up, and not long after, a house painter working outside called 911. He reported that there was a naked man covered in blood stabbing a woman who was motionless on the sofa. Roxanne was 30 years old and a mother of three. Hmm. When the police got to his house, he answered the door with his sausage hanging out, still naked, covered in blood. He claimed that Roxanne, God, he claimed that Roxanne tried to rob him with a knife and he tried to grab it from her. And in the ensuing struggle, she was stabbed accidentally, accidentally multiple times. Over and over and over and over accidentally. Accidentally. Mm-hmm. <sighs> make it make sense. Can't, can't do it. Cannot do it. <laughs> no. Wish no. you good, but it can't. No one can. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Okay, so Singleton's back in court, right? And this time, the house painter's testimony sealed the deal. He was found guilty of Roxanne's murder. Mary went to Florida to testify during his sentencing. The prosecutor felt that it was important for the jury to hear what kind of person Singleton was and the type of violence that followed him around wherever he went. Mm -hmm. Mary described in detail her attack, and on April 14th, 1998, Singleton was sentenced to death. 1998. Mm Mm-hmm. Singleton did not get executed. He died on December 28th, 2001 from cancer. While many believe that Mary and Roxanne 
aren't Singleton's only victims. They also agree that Mary should have been his last. He never should have been released from prison in California. Never, never ever, never, ever, never, never, never. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mary spent years and years going to therapy and eventually reached a good place. She's an artist, which surprises many people, including herself. She said that before her accident, she could barely draw a straight line. And one night, she woke up, she started to draw a self-portrait, and it turns out she's got a natural talent for drawing an art. That's amazing. I know. I mean, but good for her. Like, just trying stuff and finding things, and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to try that. I know. And just, I mean, I don't know. The fact that she's got an outlet of some yes. kind, that something that she enjoys doing that brings her joy. I am so happy for her. I think that it is an act of courage to live every day after what has happened to her. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I know that the word victim, some people don't like to be called a victim because they're a survivor. And I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, poor thing, if, if that's not what she wants. But... Mm-hmm. I'm being honest here, like for her to, for her to live her life the way that she seems to have been living her life ever since this happened to her, hats off, man. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. I cannot imagine. It's incredible. (sighs) Mary has said that being a mother helped her get through some of the hardest times after her attack. And thank God for those babies that she's got because... It sounds like they have saved her on more than one occasion. And Mm -hmm. you can tell, I mean, she loves them so much. And thank God for them. I know. If you or anyone you know are a victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. The National Domestic Abuse Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Or you can reach out to www.thehotline.org to chat with someone online. And the great thing about this website is that at any time, hitting the escape key twice will instantly take your browser to a Google search page. And that is so if your abuser is nearby and you are scared and you don't feel safe having that browser open, it'll help you to not get caught. Mm-hmm. If you are having thoughts or feelings of harming yourself or just need someone to talk to, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, which is 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Ugh. I know. Well, I am sorry that because I feel positive that nobody has uh... any shelter anymore, any belongings, any anything. Yeah, everything's gone. Oh, yeah. But you know what we have to do? We must rebuild. Must rebuild. I feel for you, I do. And I'm currently sitting just in in the yard where my house used to be. But there was no getting around that. Absolutely not. What were we supposed to do? This is just, oh my gosh. I remember, I don't remember exactly when it was that I saw this. I survived. But I remember it. I have never forgotten about this one. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it to freshen up on it, I was like, oh my God, I remember. You know, like this is, it's it's been such an impactful case on me. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot more people than who we named have either mentioned this or maybe requested it, but not used the request form. Sure. So if it's something that you brought up, you know, We finally did. Because this is one of those cases that like a lot of, I've heard from a lot of people like, oh, you got to do that. You got to do that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. And I just, I... It is. I hate that, like, some of these laws that get passed, like the Singleton bill or whatever, you know, it's too little too late. And it's unfortunate that something like that has to happen to somebody. And then we're like, oh, well, you know, we've got to change something. Like, it just, it just sucks. Yeah. Because, again, Mary, this never should have happened to Mary, but it damn sure should not have happened to anybody else at the hands of Lauren Singleton. And Mary used every bit of life she had left in her body to crawl up that cliff to ensure that this didn't happen to anybody else. Yes. And look where we are, you know, but... Absolutely. Ugh. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you so much. We hope that you have a great rest of the day. And yeah, hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Yes. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.